welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 27th of August 2017, entitled Quench Not the Spirit, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 to 23. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Very good morning. Lovely, lovely to be back with you in the land of the living. If I break out into some scouts this morning... Um, We've got a translator over here in the corner, okay, so uh, hopefully not. Um, you'll have to turn in your Bibles, please, to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, some people have said about these two uh, books, these two letters that Paul wrote, um, that the first one, that the first letter of Thessalonians was to warn the church, the Christians, about the rapture of the church. Uh, and to encourage them. The second Thessalonians was written um, to warn the world about the rupture of the Great Tribulation period. And um, we're going to take it from verse 9, and we're going to read down to verse uh, 23. So if you'd like to stand, please, just for the honour of reading God's Word. Verse 9, chapter 5, and Paul says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very high, highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse 19, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the inspired word of God this morning. Pray that you'll speak to us afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. But, uh, the title of uh, my message this morning is uh, from verse 19. Quench not the spirit. Isn't it amazing? I don't know how many times I've um, done a Bible study here for the adults and half an hour later the pastor has stood in the pulpit and has actually preached the message that I've just taught. It's incredible. And that actually happened this morning with uh, Brother Daniel as he was teaching. It's like he was looking at what I, what I, the notes that I wrote down last night and I thought, hang on. Everything he's saying this morning is what I want to preach about this morning. Um, 
The context uh, of this letter, chapter 5 especially, is to encourage the church to get ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote this letter, he wrote it as if the coming of the Lord was imminent. It could happen at any time. And his concern is that the church would get itself ready. Notice what it says, verse 23. He says, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless. And then he says, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul wanted the Christians to get ready. And if it was imminent 2,000 years ago, how more imminent is it now? The Lord Jesus Christ is coming, and we need to be prepared. We need to get ready. And in verse 15, we see here that Paul exhorts the Christians while they wait for his return, how to get ready. Notice it says, it says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever, and then he says, for e but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And this is how we are to get ourselves ready. Paul is saying that we are to follow that which is good. So what is Paul saying that that is good? What is he, he referring to? Well, if we just notice that in a few more verses after verse 15, he talks about rejoicing evermore, pray without ceasing. He says, giving thanks in everything. And in verse 19, he says that one of the things that we're to do while we're awaiting for his return, his return could be today. It could be in this next hour. And he says in verse 19, quench not the spirit. And that's our message for, for us this morning from the Lord. That word quench is used 11 times in the New Testament. Ten of those times, it has to do with putting out fire. Okay? That's a good little study to do. What Paul is basically saying is that while we're waiting for the Lord's return, I don't want you to put out or to extinguish or to suppress the fire of God's Spirit in your lives. He said that 2,000 years ago, and it's just as relevant then as it is this day in Bethel Baptist Church. Don't put God's, the power of God's Spirit, don't put it out. Don't extinguish and suppress it. Let him live inside you this morning. You know that the Holy Spirit is a person. You know, there are many religions outside of those doors this morning that say the Holy Spirit is some kind of force, some kind of um, reaction. Uh, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is more. The Holy Spirit is actually a person who comes to live and dwell with us if we're Christians. Let's just turn to um, a verse 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just keep your, your fingers in Thessalonians because uh, we might be going back there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. And Paul says to the Christians, he says, What? Know ye not that your body, that fleshly body that we have, is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And then he says, Which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You don't belong 
to yourselves. If you're a Christian here this morning, you belong to God. And the reason is, is because the Holy Spirit is living inside that body. He dwells with you and he's a person. And I'd just like this morning just to show you what the scriptures teach about this person. The Bible says that, first of all, that he can be resisted. Secondly, the Bible says that he can be grieved. And thirdly, it says that he can be quenched. And I'd just like us to touch briefly upon those three things this morning. First of all, the Holy Spirit can be resisted by the unbeliever. I don't know if you've um, heard of a teaching. It's called Irresistible Grace. Let me just tell you, uh, I'd just like to give you a quote, really, of what this uh, teaching is um, that goes around some, some churches. And it's this, that God's grace, when presented by the Holy Ghost, is of such a nature that it is impossible for the sinner to refuse or to resist. It's basically saying that when the Holy Spirit is working, when the Holy Spirit is convicting, when the Holy Spirit is trying to draw people to the Lord Jesus Christ, that it's impossible for a person to resist the Holy Spirit calling one to salvation. It's quite a popular teaching. It was more popular maybe a hundred years ago. But I want to show you from the scriptures that that teaching is not really biblical, okay? Because the Bible says that a person can resist the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Um, you know what it actually implies if we're not, if we don't have a free choice? It's basically saying that man loses his free will and his actions are not the result of his own choice. And isn't that basically what society is teaching today? You know, when you read uh, in the newspapers and you, and you watch the TV, often it will come out when somebody's done something wrong, it's not my fault. I was born that way. I couldn't help it. Everybody else is doing it. This is what society is teaching. I have no choice. Man loses his free will. But man has a choice to choose, okay? If you'd like to just um, Deuteronomy chapter 30, you don't have to look there, um, but verse 19 says, and this is God speaking to his people, and he's saying to a rebellious people, um, he's saying, I have set before you life and death. He says, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. And you see, God here is giving his people a choice to choose. Choose life or choose death. Choose obedience or choose disobedience. Man has a choice. We're not robots. As Brother Daniel was teaching this morning in the Sunday school class, can the unsaved man, can he resist the calling of the Holy Spirit to get saved. Well, if you'd just like to turn to Acts chapter 7 this morning. You remember the story of uh, Stephen? <clears throat> and uh, Stephen was uh, being accused 
he had this accusation of uh, blaspheming. And uh, we know that Stephen was uh, caught by the Sanhedrin, and uh, he was just about to be stoned, okay? And um, Stephen here comes out with some very brave words. And uh, he says in verse 51, speaking to these um, religious people, he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always, what's the next word? Resist the Holy Ghost. They were resisting the Holy Ghost, calling to choose life and obedience. And he says here, as your fathers did, so do ye. And he's saying that this is what your fathers did years ago, and you're doing the same right now. And then he says, verse 52, he says, Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one. This is what the prophets tried to do. They tried to teach the people that the just one, the holy one, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, was to come and save his people from their sins. But the Bible says that they resisted this teaching of the Holy Ghost. And he says, Of whom ye have now been now the betrayers and murderers. Just turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 and verse 14. And we see here that Peter um, is speaking, and he's speaking again to uh, his people. He says, But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. We see here very clearly that God's prophets called the people to repentance through the Holy Ghost, but they denied the Holy One. So it's possible for a person to resist the calling of the Holy Ghost to repentance and to faith and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did they do this? Well, the Bible says that they were stiff-necked, which means that they didn't want to turn. They were going in their own direction. The Bible says that we need to repent. If we're to come and have salvation, the Bible says that we need to repent, which means we need to turn ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He died for each and every one of us here this morning. He loves us. The Holy Ghost loves us. And he's calling people to repentance. Jesus, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, um, sorry, uh, the Scriptures teach that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all, all, how many is all? All, everyone should come to repentance. That's why Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, not just for a certain few. He died for everybody because he loves everyone. And his blood is available for anybody. So the Holy Spirit can be resisted. Secondly, the Holy Spirit can be grieved by the individual believer. Somebody has said that you can't grieve somebody who doesn't love you or care for you. You might annoy them sometimes. You might get on their nerves. But you, you won't grieve somebody who loves you. Sorry, you, you will grieve somebody that, that, that loves you and cares for you. 
because they're a person who wants your fellowship and your relationship. You know what it's like, don't you, when you're in a marriage, husband and wife, and you want to get together and you want to have that perfect union and that relationship. But you know, sometimes things happen, don't they? You get into an argument, something happens, and you get grieved. That's the reality of marriage. But if we love that person, we'll work through it. We may be grieved, but we're only grieved because we care and we love that person. And sometimes that relationship, it's like, it's like that. And it happens to us all sometimes. It's like the Holy Spirit. He's a person and he wants us to have that relationship with him. But sometimes we can grieve him. If you just turn to Psalm 95, and let me just show you how this happens with God's people. Psalm 95 and verse 10. My mum and dad have never seen Angelica and myself have an argument. Been married about 18 or 19 years yet. But if they knew the reality, if they knew what goes on and some of the things that, wrong things that we said, you know, but it's like that. It's reality. And it happens in every marriage. But thank God that we, if we love our partner, if we love our husbands and wives, we'll make it work. The Bible says that love is patient and it's kind and it's gentle. Psalm 95. Let's just see what verse 10 says. Okay, this is what God is saying about his people. He says, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Okay, he says here that this people whom God loved, his people, it says that they erred. What does that word err mean? What does it mean a hair on your head? It's saying basically that they've gone astray from the truth. And God's people do this sometimes. And this is what happened. And the Bible says that his people did this for 40 long years in the wilderness. And they erred. And the Bible says that while they were erring from him, that they grieved him. He loved them. And he cared about them. And he wanted that close relationship with him. But they erred and they grieved him. And we as Christians can do the same. Um, notice, if you just turn to uh, verse 11, it says, Unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. And you see, God desires that we have a rest with him and we have a relationship with him. But when we err from the truth, that rest becomes unrest but he wants to give us peace. Amen? Wonderful. That's our God this morning. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Again, referring to God's people uh, in the wilderness, he says, How oft did they provoke me in the wilderness? And then he says, And grieve him in the desert. Verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. 
So again, here we see that the, his people, they grieved him because they turned back and they tempted, they tested and tried God. Well, notice what it says here in verse 40 at the beginning. He says, how oft. That's quite important, those two words, how oft. Because it's basically inferring that this was something that happened many times. It wasn't just a one-off. And when we read about God's people in the wilderness, we know that it wasn't just a one-time airing from God. They did it often. But he says, how oft, how oft, how often you erred from me. And that would just suggest a continual wrongdoing. I wonder this morning, how often has God touched on a sin in our lives? But we just ignored it. How often has God spoken to us this morning? And I'm preaching and I'm teaching to myself this morning, first of all. How often has God spoken to us and put his finger upon a sin and said, no more, stop it. That's grieving me. You're erring from the truth. Come back. Let's have a rest. Let's have a relationship with each other. I wonder this morning, have we lost that sensitivity to listening to God's Holy Spirit? He's a person and he dwells with us. And when we sin, if we are Christians, he will convict us. And you know, when we first become Christians, we are very aware of God's Holy Spirit. We should be very aware of God's Holy Spirit every day. And when God points his finger at us, at a sin that we're committing in our life, maybe oftentimes, and he says, stop it, we need to listen to him and obey him. Because if we don't, we're going to grieve him. Amen? You know, it's like that in our marriages. It's like that in our relationships. Sometimes we might have been married for 10, 15, 20 years, and we just start to lose that sensitivity with one another. You know, when we hurt another, when we hurt our loved one with their feelings, maybe something we've said, and maybe we just we continually start doing it, and we just lose that sensitivity. It's like that with the Holy Spirit. God can be grieved by things that we say and we can do. And God often speaks to us and we need to obey him and we need to turn and uh, we need to put things right. Just turn to Ephesians and we looked at this uh, this morning in the Bible study, Ephesians chapter 4. And we see here an exhortation for the church not to grieve the one who loves us. Ephesians chapter 4. And here we see the Holy Spirit touching upon some sins in the church with Christians. Maybe some of these sins we may this morning be able to uh, relate to. I'm sure that every one of us can relate to at least one of them here. Let's just take it up in verse 29. Okay, the Holy Spirit says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Is the Holy Spirit speaking this morning? But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
Verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then he says, verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in, for Christ's sake have forgiven you. Now listen, we're real people here this morning. We can understand these words, okay? These words are directed to Christians, not the world. These are directed to born-again believers. And it's possible for a believer to do some of these things when they err from the truth. And we all do them. And the Bible says here in verse 30, says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Because if we do, we grieve God. We upset him, but we're also going to upset one another. Okay? You know, there's something in the scriptures that teaches that there is something that we cannot grieve God with. And if you just turn to Romans 8, and we saw this as well in the uh, Bible study this morning, Romans chapter 8. And this has to do with our weaknesses, our infirmities. So this is speaking to each and every one of us here in this room this morning. And it's to do with the Holy Spirit. And he's saying in verse 26, if we have problems, if we have weaknesses that we... We have sins that we've, we have problems with dealing with. This is how we're to deal with them. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Thank God there is somebody here this morning. There is somebody who is living inside of you. He's holy. He's the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he helps our infirmities. If you have an infirmity this morning, if you have a weakness, if you have a sin, if you have a struggle here this morning, thank God that we have one that is not only God, the Holy Spirit, but is a personal God who dwells inside us and can help us and he can intercede with the Father. Let's see what it says through um, the rest of this verse. He says that we sometimes, that we should pray. Sorry, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Sometimes it's difficult to pray when we're struggling. Sometimes we might not find the right words to use and to be elegant in the words that we use. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can even help us in that, in that, in that way as well. And he says that we should not pray. Uh, we know not what should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And the Bible says that the Spirit searcheth the hearts, and he knows the minds um, of the Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit this morning. We're not left here just roaming, wanderless, headless, without any direction. Yes, we make mistakes, but thank God, God can give us directions. God can help us. God can even speak to the Father on our behalf and tell him exactly how we're feeling, how we need to deal with these problems, and he can speak to us through his precious word. And I believe he is this morning. He is. Why don't we ask 
this morning, if we're struggling, why don't we ask the Holy Spirit to help us with our weaknesses, our infirmities? So we've seen, firstly, that the Holy Spirit can be resisted by the unbeliever. He can be grieved by the individual believer. But thirdly, and briefly, I'm going to touch briefly on this, but he can be quenched by the church. Just turn to Revelation chapter 2. The Holy Spirit can be quenched, can be suppressed by the church. And this church that uh, was being spoken about here, this one that received a letter through the Lord Jesus Christ, was a live church. The Apostle Paul had known Christians there, okay, and um, he was writing um, letters to them, visiting them, and we see here that an angel is spoken about here. Many people say that this angel is most probably a a leader, maybe even being a pastor in the church, and there was a letter directed to his church through him. He says, verse 1, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, this is the Lord Jesus, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Verse 2, he says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Verse 3, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, he says in verse 4, I have somewhat against thee. Why? Because thou hast left thy first love. Verse 5, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. This letter was directed to a church, a living church, a church that had the Holy Spirit living within, within the believers. And here the Lord warned the Ephesian church that their loss of love for him would cause their lamp to go out, basically saying that the Holy Ghost would be quenched, it would be extinguished, it would be suppressed. The power of God in that church would be put out. You know that a church can labor. A church can love doctrine. A church can keep its meetings going, just like this one. But a church can also love its love for the Lord and do all these things. A church may even have the right Bible, but it can lose its love, its first love for the Lord. I found that amazing. That is incredible. And I wonder this morning, you know, the Bible says that a little leaven, leaveneth, the whole lump, a little leaven, a little sin can affect the whole lump, the whole church. And I wonder this morning, where are all those great churches today that flourished in Asia Minor? Has anybody been to Turkey? don't know if you've been to Ephesus. Okay. You have a look around Ephesus. You have a look around 
Istanbul, you have a look around some of the cities of Turkey. Where is the power? Where is the witness today in Turkey? It's been suppressed on the whole. And today Islam reigns. Islam reigns in Turkey today. It's a warning. And the Lord is warning this church, just like he's warning every church around the world today. Don't quench the Spirit of God. Because if you do, it won't take long for that lamp to be put out. I don't know if anybody likes Wales. I love the countryside. And you know, since we just moved up uh, to Liverpool, we're very close to the border. And most days I go into Wales, I come out in the same afternoon, and I see so many old church buildings. You know, there was a revival there once in Wales. And many churches started in some of these obscure places, but even some of the big towns that they have today. The doors are closed. Places in Lancashire. Places that I went to last, last week in Manchester. Old church buildings where revival happened in England. And they're carpet warehouses today. Some of them are just derelict buildings. Even in the town that we live in, uh, the city in Liverpool, there are massive church buildings and they've got weeds just growing out of the windows. The windows, the, the doors of the churches have been boarded up. The lamp has been put out. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been grieved. The lamp has gone out. It's happening here in Birmingham. We lived here for more than 15 years. And we know it's happening. We know that Islam is on the march. And Islam will try to get as many converts in this city as possible. And they're probably doing more evangelism than what Christians are doing today. And we need to be ashamed at that. And we need to listen to what the Lord is telling this church here in, in, in Ephesus. Don't let that love grow cold. Amen? Don't let it go cold. We may be the minority, but let me tell you, with God, we are the majority. Don't fear the number of false religions out there. Don't fear that. God has told us in his word that with God, all things are possible. False doctrine, squabbles, jealousies, envies, pride, bitterness. These are the things that can happen inside a church that quenches the Holy Spirit. We need to guard those things. It's so easy for them to come through those doors. It's so easy for them to just come into our relationships with our husbands and our wives and our children and bring them into the church and spread it in the church and then take it out and bring it back into the house. And that's what happens. And we need to be on guard for those things. Let me just finish this morning. Um, how can we avoid quenching the Spirit? We can avoid quenching the Spirit by not saying no to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tells us to do something, we need to say yes. And we need to obey him. Okay? 
First of all, the unbeliever. I wonder this morning, has the Holy Spirit said to you, repent. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for you 2,000 years ago. He loves you. He died for you. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And he's calling you today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart. The Holy Spirit is calling today for people to repent. Is he calling you? If he is, you need to say, yes, Lord, I'm coming. I'm going to obey you. Secondly, the individual Christian. Has the Holy Spirit told you to love your fellow Christian? Has the Holy Spirit said to you this morning, I want you to spend more time with me, more quiet time? As the Holy Spirit said to you, I want you to spend more time with me in my word. As the Holy Spirit said to us, I don't want you to continue in doing what you're doing. I want you to turn and I want you to follow me and I want you to obey me. Then we can have that rest and that peace and that relationship together. And thirdly, as a church, I wonder has the Holy Spirit said to you this morning, as we read it in our scripture, let's just turn back there very quickly. Sorry that time's gone on, but I um, tried to do, do my best this morning. But in our <clears throat> scriptures this morning, we read in verse 12, Paul says, and, I and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which are labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And then he says, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. He's speaking here about the leaders within the church. And I wonder here this morning, has the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit telling you to support the pastor and the leaders within this church? Because the Bible says that they watch over you and they look out for your good. And you need to pray for them and you need to support them. And you do not need to criticize Okay, because that grieves the Holy Spirit. If there's anything that you need to say about the pastor, speak to the pastor. Okay, I know there's a way at the moment, but there are other leaders here in the church. But the Bible says here that we're to esteem them highly. That's the Holy Spirit speaking this morning, not me. That's what the Word of God is telling us to do. Okay, has the Holy Spirit said, Get involved with the life of this church. Brother Daniel was speaking this morning about getting involved in the prayer meetings, getting involved in outreach. Become involved in the life of the church. And lastly this morning, as the Holy Spirit told us this morning that we're to edify one another and to be at peace among yourselves. He has, because that's what God's word has said to us this morning in this scripture. If we obey the Holy Spirit, we will avoid quenching the fire of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's be those that please and obey God and quench not the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we'd just like to thank you this morning for your precious word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he is a person.
He is God. And he dwells within each inside every believer here this morning. And we know that even as he is a person, that he can be grieved and he can be resisted and quenched. And we pray this morning that we may not do that. Help us, we pray, Lord, in our weaknesses. Help us to obey you and to please you because you love us. And Lord, if there is one here in this room this morning, the Holy Spirit is calling that person, whoever they may be. Maybe they've heard the gospel many times, but they've said, no, that's not for me today. Lord, we just pray that today that that person may turn and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.